0: I love the Raiders most of all I love to win
1: you're now listening to State of the Nation with Jimmy Durkin Vic Tafer, Ted Nguyen and Deshaun Reed on the Athletic Podcast Network
2: What's up, everybody? Welcome back to State of the Nation here on the Athletic Podcast Network. Jimmy Durkin, Vic Tafer, Ted Wynn, Sean Reed, and the Raiders. Uh, free agency has slowed down. Obviously, the uh, the, the big first wave is over. Um, last time we talked to you, the Raiders uh, immediately, after we got off the, uh, the air, they went and signed running back Kenyon Drake, which uh, sparked some reactions, uh, Some positive, some negative. Uh, We'll we'll get into that a little bit later. But um, the biggest news of this week, the Raiders did lock up their left tackle. And this is something we talked about a few weeks ago on the show, that as they were making all those moves on the offensive line, freeing up money, getting rid of some of their veterans, that... You know, you can agree, disagree or whatnot, but John Gruden obviously felt they were a little bit overpaid and, and was ready to move on from that they would have some future expenses that they needed to handle on the offensive line. And Colton Miller got a three year extension, I think $54 million on on the extension, um, basically puts him at an average annual value of about 18 million, fifth among left tackles. You know, for some people, they, they see that number and they think it's a lot. But, I mean, that's basically the price of doing business when you have who you believe is your franchise left tackle and you want to keep him around.
3: Yeah, I bet they, they wish they uh they went into negotiations before Trent Williams signed that deal, huh? He pretty much reset the market for top flight left tackles. You know, I'm, I'm sure, you know, Colton still would have got a lot of money, but I'm not sure if it would have been 18 a year if they had got it done beforehand. But like you said, even still only ranks fifth. I don't know if he's, you know, the fifth best tackle in the league. But, you know, moving forward I'm sure he'll continue to slide down that board as more guys can continue to agree to to extensions and uh long term deals. So I think it's a good value. You know, he's shown, you know, the last couple of years that, you know, he, he looks like a, a starter at that position for years to come. So you know, and it's not a crazy term on a deal, you know, only a three year extension. So it's uh, I think it's a pretty good deal.
2: I mean the Trent Williams really only got slightly above what David Bakhtiaro you got. So I mean 23 million was already kind of like the top top line for left tackles and he just went like 23.01 so I don't I don't know
1: if they would have got much of a discount I think you know by the time the extension kicks in it's gonna be the cap is gonna go way up because of the TV deals and 18 million might not look like that much especially for for a left tackle who he has some trouble run blocking at times but I mean he, he's one of the better pass-protecting left tackles in a league, and that's extremely valuable, as we've seen.
4: Yeah, you see, when I give my left tackle $18 million a year, I don't want to hear he has some trouble sometimes doing this. I would hope for that money I'm getting uh, really, really good. I think Colton is pretty good. I don't know if he's an elite left tackle. I think he's definitely uh, gotten better over the last couple of years. I think he's fine. He's good. To me, it's a little ironic that, you know, they they overpaid these guys. They let go, like, you know, Trent, Gabe Jackson, and Rodney Hudson. And now they're kind of a little bit, I I think right now at least, overpaid, uh, maybe too soon, both uh, Andre James and uh, Colton Miller. So, um, obviously, these are their guys going forward, like you guys said. In a couple years, these deals may not seem like they're much. But right now, it seems like a little, a little bit much for a guy who I don't think is a great left tackle. The Andre James
1: uh, extension was pretty surprising to me. I mean, it just feels like they didn't have to do it. They could have waited to see him on the field to see if he could perform. And even, you know, maybe he doesn't even win a starting job against Nick Martin. I mean, there's a small chance of that happening, but just surprised that they came out and and extended him. I mean, I guess that means they're really sure that he's going to be a, a good player. And they think that they could maximize his value with that deal.
3: I was going to say on Colton I mean they, they didn't have to extend him now you know they could have you know accepted his fifth year rookie option and had him in a contract through the 2022 season and then from there they could have franchise tagged him if they wanted to so they could have push this down, you know, a couple more years when it, when it comes to agreeing to a long-term deal. But I think they're banking on him continuing to improve. I mean, he's only going into, you know, what is his, his fourth season? And, you know, let's say he goes out and he does play like a, a top five tackle next year. Then that number is probably higher than $18 million a year when you come to talking to him about a long-term extension. So, it may be hopeful that this kind of turns into a Darren Waller situation where they agreed to, a not to say that, you know, Colton's going to become that tier player, but you know, you agree to the deal early and then, and then the player eventually surpasses, you know, what you're paying them relative to the market.
2: Yeah. I was going to bring up the Darren Waller comp because I mean, that's, that seems like what they're hoping this is with Waller by the time they signed that extension had pretty good signs that man, this guy is going to be really special. Um, you know, and with Colton I mean they, they've they seen three full years of playing time so if they're buying into it I, I can see that yeah the Andre James though like you said Ted I mean he played one game they love him and I mean four million dollars a year for a starter on the offensive line isn't uh huge money but it felt like part of what they were doing with trying to shed money on that offensive line was like okay let's go younger let's go cheaper and you know that was an opportunity to go really cheap at center and, and then now they've kind of blown that out of the water and I mean, again, if a couple of years from now when he would be unrestricted free agent and due for money, you know, he would be more than that. So maybe you get a, a year or so of a discounted deal. But that one, it doesn't make a whole lot of sense until you see him play a little more.
3: Yeah. And I think, you know, it's only I think six million dollars of it is guaranteed. So I think, you know, let's say he's a disaster this year. I think they could move on next year if they want to. I guess they brought in Nick Martin as kind of the insurance policy uh, at, at center. He's, you know, the four year starter with the Texans and so. You know, if Andre James is a bust, he can, he can start in his place and be, you know, serviceable at least. But, yeah, like you guys said, it just seems weird that, you know, especially since you sign another center, you're not completely certain, obviously. You know, so why not wait until training camp or maybe into the season, see what you have? And then, you know, once he shows his stuff a little bit, then you come in with the extension. So it definitely seems like they jumped the gun a bit with him there. But obviously, you know, I mean, you get get rid of a player like Rodney Hudson, you know, arguably the best center in the league. You know, of course, they they must love Andre James. So
4: it also could be a case where where John sees the reaction like around the, the league and all these national people saying that oh, Raiders are blowing it. You know, Kenyon Drake sounded made no sense. They got rid of Rodney Hudson, the best center in the league. What are they doing? He's wants to double down. You know what, guys? I know what I'm doing. And hey, I'm give this guy twelve million dollars. So that's he's my, my my sorry, my bad Gruden accent. I can't I can't resist. But uh, remember, I we know, agreed. We're not it's doing it's a, it's a mental slip up. I try not to, but uh, sometimes. It, it's hard to yeah, avoid. Yeah, just like it's I can fun. see it, or, yeah, I see it. When I mentioned I see him talking, and I just go into that voice. So and it's really a bad one also, but I do a bad job. But yeah, I just think maybe it's, you know they want to make sure that people realized that they know what they're doing, and they definitely have a plan. They obviously like other James a lot, and I think they're pretty confident he'll be good. So in their minds, it's not really that, that big a deal. So we're paying him just to prove how good he is. And once he is that good, you have him locked up for three years at least. You're not worried about him at all. And it's not... Like you said, when the money goes up in the you know, next year or whatever, I mean, I don't know, Andre James is going to demand a huge deal in the market, but you never know. I mean, you at least you have a guy who, I think also with the Raiders, I mentioned this, like, we've talked about this in the past, is they've developed so few guys. So I mean, in terms of good guys, they've drafted late in the rounds or even early round picks. I mean, they've had a really bad track record. So you got two guys this year in Andre James and Nick Morrow, guys who were undrafted. Totally developed through the system, the Raiders, you know, brought them up, nurtured them, and 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 fed them, and 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 they've grown to be pretty good players, I think. So I think they wanted to show that they can develop guys, and that therefore, is a reward for guys who work hard in their organization.
2: Yo, know, and that's a good point because one thing we talked about on the last show was you know, what is this doing for the locker room that they're getting rid of these veteran guys that trying these tactics on them beforehand, where you know we're gonna. We're not going to cut you until training camp unless you take a pay cut. We we're kind of wondering how how this would impact the culture. Well, maybe this is kind of their counter to those potential negative impacts to the culture that they are showing young guys that they can be rewarded. So that that's a good point where maybe where we're concerned for other reasons uh, that this culture could be impacted negatively. They're trying to find ways to kind of positively impact the culture and kind of inspire some of the young guys.
1: I can see that. Uh, at first, I wasn't buying fixed point, but now I see it. I think that's a good point point i helped to come around you know, the big... waller extension <laughs> yes yes you completed the point also the, the waller extension was one of the smartest moves this front office has made so maybe they're like all right that worked out maybe we could apply it to these other guys and it'll work out too but yeah i mean we'll, we'll see what happens with james it was a little early but if he ends up being a star then it'll it'll be a deal
2: the two best moves that the John Gruden Raiders have made were signing Darren Waller from the Ravens practice squad and signing Darren Waller to an early extension. That's true. There's probably some others that are, that have been good, but I think those are probably the two best moves that, that they made since Gruden's back, right? I mean, it's, what else is in that category?
3: At this point, you know, they traded back to get Colton Miller at 15 in, in 2018, this first draft, and now you're signing him to. You know, an extension. I think he's the first uh first round pick from the 2018 draft to agree to a multi year extension, if I'm not wrong. So, I, w- I would count that as a win too. So maybe that's the top three.
2: That's a win, and obviously, there's there's that that funny stat where he's the first Raiders first rounder since Darren McFadden in 2018 in 20 in 2008 to get uh to get a second contract with the team. So, um, yeah, Jesus, I, mean, I
3: was 12 years old back then,
2: <laughs> and, and McFadden <laughs> only got a one year extension. It, it's not like he even got signed to a multi year deal. We've referenced the Kenyon Drake signing a little bit. Um, you know, We didn't get into that on the last show because it happened right after we got done recording. It's a deal that obviously in the first year, very affordable $3 million deal for a really good, not just backup running back, but a complimentary back. A guy that, as Vic wrote, might play some receiver. He can do a lot of different things for this offense. He can help keep Josh Jacobs fresh. You know, The concern is that in year two... You basically have two options, right? You can pay him eight and a half million to be on the team and be a backup slash complimentary back, or you can pay him, I think, five or five and a half million to not be on the team. That's where you you start wondering, okay, why did he get eleven million guaranteed? Why so much money in that second year? But for year one, I mean, three million for a really good complementary slash backup back, I think no argument there. It's just it's that second year where he's expensive to keep and expensive to get rid of uh, that you wonder.
3: Yeah, like I almost would have liked it better if they would have just, let's say, pay him, I don't know, $6 million on a one-year deal for this year. And people are kind of getting on this like, oh, they're only paying $3 million. Take it back. Like, all your slander. I'm like, okay, well, you're still signed to pay a backup running back $8 million next year when, like, part of the reason you traded guys like Rodney Hudson and Gabe Jackson is to free up money in 2022. And then you're going to spend Kenyon Drake. They, they it. were
2: freeing up money for Kenyon a, Drake. On a,
3: yeah, on a backup <laughs> <laughs> So it's still like I still don't read it. Like he, like he's a good player. Like it's not as I think those people misunderstood. Like it's not about Kenyon Drake. Like that's an awesome backup running back and you know, arguably now the best backup running back in the league probably. But I just I just don't think that was the best allocation of funds and that you didn't need to negotiate that way. Because I mean, what other running backs have really gotten huge deals this off season?
4: By far the most like guaranteed money of any uh, of, of those similar guys in the market. I just think I think Raider fans know. It's too much money. I mean, the complaints were not about, like you said, one about this quality of play. He's obviously a really good player, but uh, it's too much money. I think Raider fans know that, They probably were like, "Why? Why are we doing this?" But then when they read us saying it, and they like, you know, like, "Wait, you can't say that. I can say that. You can't say it was too much money. It's a, a good deal because they want they want to have hope. They want to have some optimism." I just think um, it doesn't make a lot of sense. For a team that's already allocated a first round pick to a running back. To spend, you know, $11 million for two years for a number two running back. And again, he could play a lot. It could be a receiver. Who knows? And, uh, hopefully they use him a lot. But in, in this day and age, the way that the game is run by teams, the good teams, that's a lot of capital to spend on the running back position.
1: I thought they were being smart, actually, about allocating some funds away from the interior line because that's not exactly high on the positional value chart. They save money there, and then they take that money and they spend it on... Running back, which is a, a low positional value, I think lowest out of all the non-kicker punter positions, and then it's not even a starting running back; it's your second running back. And you know, no matter what you say, like, oh, we're going to use him to do this and that. Josh Jacobs is going to be on the field the majority of the time. You know, if he's not on the field seventy percent of the time, then you're doing something wrong. And if you're going to pay all that money for a guy that might be on the field thirty percent of the time, it just doesn't make a lot of sense.
3: And other thing is like with the offensive line, like even best case scenario, let's say Andre James is like a competent starter. They, they draft a the right tackle who can come in and start day one. Richie Incognito is healthy, and everything's good health wise up front. You're still probably going to be a step back in the quality of play in offensive line from last year, even though they were banged up last year. And you have Josh Jacobs getting most of the carries. I mean you know, it might be a struggle for Josh Jacobs to get a lot of yards, you know, if the offensive line takes a step back because he didn't have his most efficient year last year. And so I don't know how much more success Drake is gonna have doing that. And then, you know, even splitting them out to receiver, you know, the Raiders don't really target receivers that often. I think they had the lowest percentage of passes that went to receivers last season. You know, obviously that could change from year to year, but I don't see it drastically changing. They'll probably still be toward the bottom of the league and you know, especially if the offensive line has some struggles, you know, you, you may have to you know do more multiple tight end or, or bring in Alec Engle at fullback for some extra blocking, and so it's just kind of hard to see Drake playing enough, or even if he's on the field being active enough in the game plan to really be worth the kind of money that they're throwing at him.
4: I was gonna, It appears that it's probably a lot more money than he was going to get anywhere else. I think they may have been leveraging, you know, competing against themselves as far as the market goes. I know Drake said how much he liked John Grood and then he wants that Alabama backfields together again, and he's excited about it. But clearly, they offered him a lot more money than anybody else did. He's like, yeah, I'm going to go there. I think I'm going to go to Las Vegas. So I just think that, in, in hindsight, uh, if you, even if you want a guy that badly, you got to hold back a little bit and, and not uh, spend $11 million o- o- over two years.
2: And I think the other thing is what we've seen with the running back position is that if you can identify guys in the draft really well, I mean, you can find guys in the third round, fourth round, wherever that can be that type of backup complimentary back. I mean, if you trust your scouting, maybe they're not quite Kenyon Drake, but, or, or as proven as Kenyon Drake, but that's the part where you wonder, it's like, okay, could you, could you not identify somebody in the draft that, that could do this? Uh, that would obviously be a lot. More affordable, but it's spent money. It it is what it is and we'll see. I mean, I I know a lot of people want to say like, watch what watch when the Raiders have the best running back duo in the league this year. You guys are gonna be saying something different. And it's not about the fit. It's not about that he's not a good player. It's just it, it was the value there. Probably not, but um hey, that's what the Raiders do and uh we'll see how it works out.
4: Can Drake do a lot better job than Booker did last year? I don't know. Booker was really good last year. I mean I, and I think to me, I always said that was option one to bring him back. I and mean, I he got two point five mil guaranteed for this year with the Giants but I just thought the way he played last year he gave him an extra little boost when he came in obviously he can't play a receiver like I guess Drake can and he's a different player but to me when a guy plays that well and if it's a fit I mean he would fit in terms of the locker room and to the offense I think you run it back for a lot less money that's what I would have done.
0: We'll be right back after a quick word from our sponsors. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone?
2: Where do the Raiders still need to improve? What do they still need to do? And I think we all keep just sitting here, twiddling our thumbs, waiting for them to sign a safety. You know, they'll probably sign a safety by the time we finish recording or shortly after just uh, to screw up this podcast. But, uh, I mean, do we have any... Guesses as to why they've not really addressed that position? Do they not like the guys that are out there? Who is still out there they can go get? Are they going to have to address this early in the draft, even though they've kind we've kind of heard them grumble about the fact that they have used a lot of early draft picks in recent years on that secondary? And other
3: thing about the the Drake deal, kind of one more thing, like he, he's making $3 million this year and, and Anthony Harris signed with the Eagles for $4 million this year. And he's a starting free safety in this league who's good at being a center fielder. So anyway, um, like of the remaining guys, I know people have asked us a lot about Trey Boston. Think thing about him is like the last two years, he's missed a ton of tackles, like a lot of tackles. I think, I think he missed like the most, the highest percentage of tackles last season for a starting safety. And so... You know that was already an issue last year so i don't know if they exactly want to sign up for more of that kenny vaccaro was, you know he played some free safety last year but he's more of a box safety i actually like Daron harman though he played with the lions last year he used to be with the patriots but he started for the lions last year and he was pretty solid he's a veteran guy who's played and covered three s- schemes before so i think I don't think he should cost too much money and probably be on a one-year deal. It's kind of like a a veteran, you know, stopgap option. But even with that, like, let's say they do sign harm, and I still do think they should draft a safety with one of their first two picks in the draft because they're going to need a long-term option at some point.
4: There's also, like, Bradley McDougal's out there. I think there's a handful of guys that probably have circled who are probably um – They've all started, have experience, they can play, but you don't want to spend a lot of money on these guys. So there's probably maybe some, some parameters or some offers out there to these guys. And I think last year they signed Demarius Randall pretty late and he was going to start. I don't know what happened at camp, but he, he missed some practices and it all fell apart. But that was the plan. He was going to be the starting safety when he came in for like a million and change. So I think they're probably in the same boat now. They're like, you know what, we'll address that position at some point. The market's definitely slowed down. No reason to pay a guy more than we have to now we have plenty of time. We can draft a safety, if not in the first round, at some point, but probably won't be a starter. I think the guy they, they, they bring in off the street will be the starting uh, free safety. I can't see Jeff Heath playing playing free safety.
1: That's the problem. Like if you draft a safety and it's not a sure first round pick type of safety, it, you know I think safety is one of the hardest positions to evaluate. So you put yourself in position to reach for a guy too, especially at the safety position. I think at tackle you're pretty safe because this is a really good tackle class so you're not reaching if you you draft at need but for safety if you know you're you're in a second round and safety is coming off the board you're, you might be in position where you you have to reach and that guy might not be the starter you want so that's why seeing these guys uh these free, free safety signed for not much is it's just kind of surprising that the raiders aren't um, in a mix for free safety considering uh how important it is for for this style of defense
3: I will say i really do like richie grant though when i was down in the in the senior bowl earlier this year he was like a player that during the practice he really jumped out i think dang Brueger has him as his top ranked safety now but i think most teams view trayvon uh Morrig as, as you know a first round prospect i'm not sure that richie grant has that consensus consensus view yet so he may be a guy you can get in the second round you know with the raiders having some extra picks in the third round and fifth round like i'm not sure richie grant's gonna fall to 48 but if you have to move up a few spots to get him in the second round, I think that would be a good pick as somebody who, you know, like I said, maybe, maybe he maybe doesn't start year one, but he can at least get into the rotation. And in year two, you know, once that veteran stopgap, you know, is off of that one year deal, then he can step in and then start alongside, you know, assumably Jonathan Abram back there in the backfield and stuff. So I think that would probably be the approach that I would take, draft one of those veteran safeties to, you know, be your surefire starter and then try to get either Morrig or or Grant into in the draft but i guess one other veteran we're not mentioning former seahawk cover three earl thomas so i don't know if, oh, putting any credence to that i mean i know he didn't play last year but and they're at the bottom of the barrel at this point when it comes to these veteran safety so i don't think it's like impossible like as long as they're waiting like who else is going to be left
4: i think he has so much baggage he's out of the barrel i think he's falling out of the barrel he's <laughs> not at the bottom of the barrel i think i haven't heard his name once i just think because people always want to tie Gus to these guys he's he's had before, but a lot of cases, if he hasn't signed them now, he probably doesn't want him. He probably There's probably some bad reasons, like you mentioned Trey Boston, maybe the tackling issue is a problem there, but there's probably reasons why he hasn't got him yet. Like The guys he targeted, like uh, Rayshon Jenkins, were gone, but... Other guys may be too old. Maybe they're, they can't be as fast as Gus wants in, in his defense. So I think Earl Thomas is not really enough. I've not heard his name once. I just think that the league pretty much, you know what, that guy's got a lot of issues and he's older now. So we're not even sure what we're getting if, if he's good as far as getting on the field and not having problems. So I, I, I have not heard that name at all. You do hear the other guy is Richard Sherman. I think um, that's still a possibility. I think he's kind of going at his own speed. I think, I think there was a tweet... He's in Vegas right now at some casino at a pool party, so he's he's over, he's, he's nearby. And I think they've talked you know, him and Gruden were in their one podcast a while back, so definitely could be a match. Um, I think he could definitely play right away. So that's one guy who may happen before uh, before long.
1: He also played one snap of
4: free safety last season too. So.
1: Oh. Don't want to
3: see that now. I'm gonna get ten more questions. There you go. So are they gonna put him at safety? Yeah. Jesus Christ! No. <laughs>
4: Can you write a, a film breakdown of that one player free safety? A tag, yeah, please.
1: I will uh, tag both you and Tashawn in it. I don't know
2: no, who, no, no, no. Uh, we both. need a whole entire story. I, I need, I need, I need,
1: need fifteen hundred words.
2: Fifteen hundred words on that one snap. <laughs> one thing that when you look at how they've built this team now through free agency and and the fact that they still have those glaring holes. They don't have anybody who can step in and start at free safety. They don't have, in our minds, at least anybody who can step in and start at right tackle. That does concern me a little bit going into the draft because, you know, we, this is not a talented enough roster to be drafting for need. You know, Vic, your kind of line going into this off season was that they need to through free agency or the draft, whatever, they need to bring in two guys on defense that are the two best players on their defense. And maybe Yannick Ngakwe, Yannick Ngakwe is, is one of those two, but they haven't brought in the other. And I don't know that they can get a guy at 17 that's going to be the right fit to be the second best player on their defense now, especially now that they have, like, like we said, they've got two starting spots that uh, we don't see anybody on the roster that is capable of, of even filling those on, on a temporary basis, really.
4: Well, I know we're not a big Brandon Parker like podcast. where like we're kind of a become an anti-Brandon Parker the poor guy. But I think he's Ted like,
2: wrote a wave. Ted, Ted had had was high on him for like a week.
4: We praised him. Yeah, I've never praised him when he played. Yeah, well. it, you backtrack quick though. Next week you're like this guy. Is awful. <laughs> you 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 killed the guy. You built him up and you like took the slash hammer, and you destroyed the guy. But I, think I don't he's know fine what happened. For, yeah, whatever. I think he's fine for a while. I think I mean I think if you if you drafted the right tackle, saying well, he's fine like, to do what. To start for a couple games, like a stopgap guy. I think he won't. I think he won't kill you, and you might even get better. I mean, Tom Cable seems to think there's something there still. So, I don't think that's a great plan, but I don't think that it will hurt you that much if he's just starting right tackle for the first handful of games next season.
3: Nah, man, nah. Yeah, they got to draft one. I think one of the first two picks, like maybe not. And I know I'm a big Tevin Jenkins guy, but I even think with the 48, if you get somebody like. Samuel Cosme or, you know, if Alex Leatherwood falls that far, or one of the guys that I think in, there's a good amount of offensive linemen that can come in and be day one starters or, like you said, very early on in the season. But they have to have somebody else as some kind of fallback option to – not even a fallback option, the primary option to start at some point and just kind of ease them into it. I do think, like, on the, on the two best players on the defense though, no, I do think, like, they kind of – I mean, they got to be hoping that, you know, Corey Littleton is going to be one of those guys, right? I mean – I know he played pretty rough last season, Um, you know, he was adjusting to the new system. He had COVID, you know, all that stuff. So I I think they would hope that he's one of their best two defensive players this season with all the money they're still paying him. So maybe this year it's it's Jan and and Corey Littleton and maybe that's not as unless, you know, I guess the only scenario maybe is if somehow because I know there's some off field concerns that are a little weird because nobody has like a particular incident, but if Michael Parsons somehow failed to 17 or if they, he was close enough and they trade up and grab him, maybe, you know, he's talented enough to where he could be that guy. All
2: right. Let's take some questions. Cause we've got enough draft related questions that we can hit some of these uh, other topics. Um, we got this one from uh Jubeir a, he says looking more like an OT and safety is drafted in the top three rounds, but who in another position would be too good to pass up at 17. So basically if they don't, take one of those uh those positions of need what's uh, what's another guy at a different position that you would uh be unable to pass up at 17.
3: I think Parsons
2: is that
1: guy for me. I think uh Barmore the D tackle from Alabama if he falls there there's a chance that I think they look at him because they did sign a bunch of D tackles but Barmore has a chance to be a force up the middle so uh, I, I think if you're gonna go away from tackle or free safety at that first spot he might be the guy.
4: I might say pass rusher, I think, if you really think there's one out there that can make an impact, if, if not right away, but soon. Obviously, they, they don't have – I mean, they're adding Ngakwe, and they still got Max and Klee, but, you know, if you always can add a young guy who's dynamic in that aspect, you, you probably should do it. So I think I, I just finished the story on, on Pay and there's the two guys from Miami who are pretty good. So if they fell in love with those guys and they're there at 17, or maybe they trade back down a little bit, maybe that's a possibility.
2: All right, question here from Obina O. Do you see Amik Robertson uh, beating out Nevin Lawson and gaining the coach's trust to become the starting nickel cornerback? Based on the evidence we saw in the limited time he played last year, I'd say no, but uh, that's what training camp's for, right?
4: Yeah, I think a lot depends on what they do. With the, if they sign another cornerback, or a veteran guy who plays outside, do they move our net inside? That's a possibility. I think... Uh, yeah, I think Amik may be more geared towards the outside, and I don't know where Keyshawn Nixon fits in either. But um, it's tough because Gus Bradley hasn't really uh, talked to us about you know what he wants to do as far as the secondary. I know he must have some strong opinions about these guys from last year watching them on film. So uh, we'll have to wait and see on, on that until, until training camp, I guess. I like
1: Roberson's film coming out of um, coming out of college. I think he has a lot of potential, but yeah, I mean, we'll see how he fits into this system as a nickel corner and if he could make those improvements, but I definitely think they could use a, a veteran backup at, at nickel
2: as well. That kind of fits into what Jack C asks. He says, what are the chances we draft a cornerback in the first round and bump Damon Arnett inside? I think his play is better suited at nickel. In my opinion,
3: I don't love this cornerback class. I, I don't think I would take one at 17. I know JC Horn probably would be the one that you would, but I think we're more so maybe if the, in the second round range, if maybe somebody like Asante Samuel Jr. is on the board. I actually think Arnett is, is better at an outside corner with his size and play style. But like Asante Samuel Jr., I think he's probably a nickel at the next level. So you can keep your, your 19th overall pick from last year outside, which is what I assume they wanted him to be when they drafted him 19th overall. And then go get a guy that you can start long term at that nickel spot. Because, I mean, that's a really important position, obviously, in, in Bradley's defense with him being in, in a 4 2 base most of the time. so. They, I do think they need to upgrade over over you know Nevin Lawson for this year, but I think it probably comes down to much, how much he likes Amik Robertson. You know, does he think he can actually develop? If not this year, but next year, can he become your slot corner? If so, then I think they kind of stay away from cornerback in the draft and try to go get some veterans in free agency.
1: Arnett does have the skills mm-hmm. to play inside and play a nickel. I, I don't know if he's a better fit in there, but he definitely mm-hmm. has some of those um, th- those traits that you look for in a nickel corner and. Who knows if, if Pat, you know, if uh, Sertain the second drops down to 17, you know, he comes from Alabama. We know that we know Gruden and Mayock love Alabama players and Sertain is, is a perfect fit into a cover three system. And maybe they, they do look at Arnett inside. So I don't see them drafting a corner, but if Sertain drops there, you know, there's a chance. Yeah.
2: I'm with you to I don't love this cornerback class. Part of my editing responsibilities this last week have been, uh, we're all divvying up, uh, Dane Brugler's the beast that's coming out soon guys Uh, all the uh, draft profiles and so I I just spent this week reading about every single cornerback who could possibly get drafted or signed as an undrafted free agent and uh, let's just say by like the fifth or sixth name I I was the the scouting report said that this guy projected as a backup nickel cornerback and I that had me concerned about the depth of this cornerback class (laughs) you don't like Melifonwu? I can't draft (laughs) (laughs) Mellifonwu (laughs) <laughs> now he he the, the, the scatter report on him i will give you a sneak preview does say uh, there there I, I texted this to Vic it said something along the lines of uh he'd loved football and doesn't have the same kind of uh concerns that that, that his brother had. reference to the fact that that his his there were concerns about his brother not loving football and says that he he does have seemed to love football a little bit more than uh, than Obi did. But oh, Obi's with the 49ers uh we'll see if I don't I don't know if he'll ever actually make it in the league but all right, before we get out of here, though, we want to say uh, happy anniversary to uh, Tashawn to Reed. Uh, one year on the Raiders beat as of Thursday, and uh, he didn't realize this until I mentioned it to him, but it's kind of appropriate. He started the beat on April Fool's Day. So uh, it's been... Uh, uh, I, I don't know what the built-in joke there is, but uh, some irony there. But uh, but how's the first year on the beat been, Tashaun?
3: It's been unusual is probably the best word. I mean, I don't know, uh, Vic, I don't know how your first year on in the league was, but I mean, covering the league during a pandemic and basically, even though I'm on the ground here in Vegas, like essentially covering a team remotely was definitely interesting. It was challenging of course, but I think I learned a lot from it being kind of set up this way and it'll help me moving forward on the beat. It was obviously a tough year for a lot of us personally with everything going on in the world. So it was nice to have like, I wouldn't say a distraction, but something that I could kind of put my focus to that I enjoyed and was fun and kind of light. You know, I mean, I know Raiders fans weren't too happy with this season, but it was still fun for me following along on the journey. So yeah, it was a great time, but I'm, I'm definitely excited to hopefully get kind of more in the teeth this year and like actually get in the locker room and meet some of these guys and ask Derek Carr why he blocked me in person.
4: It was, was kind of cool. You got out to, in a way, kind of raise a glass to your first you year You got a yesterday. party last night, yeah. Yeah, yesterday. Yeah. How, how was that? With the, Raiders, the Raiders, it's called Raiders Tavern, is that what it's called? Yeah, it's pretty nice. I think it's Raiders Tavern and and Grill. You know,
3: it's obviously you know it's brand new, so everything looks all fancy and stuff and every time you walk past somebody, they're smiling and saying, welcome. And, you know, it's super animated. But the food was actually pretty good. Um, unfortunately, you know, they didn't ask me how I like my steak cooked. So I had to eat some rare steak. Oh, it wasn't terrible. bad. I had unlimited drinks, you know, and they had some Charles Woodson uh, wine. And I don't think they had his bourbon yet, but they had his wines there. And I, I got to try that. So that was pretty good. Oh, uh, yeah. Charles Woodson was there. And I had like interaction on Twitter, like people were talking about the best DBs of the, of the 2000s. And I was like, oh, it's Ed Reed. And uh, like Charles Woodson was in there, and I didn't know he was there. And then I saw him like five minutes later. I'm like, oh shit! <laughs> but uh, but no, it was, it was it was cool. It was nice, and and like the prices were honestly like reasonable. I didn't expect that. Like you get some chicken wings for like twelve dollars. I thought it was gonna be like twenty dollars for like everything and thirty dollars, and even like the the steak was like thirty dollars. So like seems like it's pretty uh like a reasonable chill spot out here in Henderson. So I might might be making a return trip sometime soon.
2: Future podcast
1: location, right?
3: yeah i think so they got some nice booths in there some outdoor seating if we want to
1: yeah for those that don't know tashaun likes eating his steak like hockey puck style well done so <laughs> listen
3: listen <laughs> medium well medium and well don't the, slander me on the him. raiders
1: made him eat uh, a medium rare steak yesterday and he enjoyed it so th- that's big news for him <laughs>
2: <laughs> yeah see you would you would get along well with my wife she's she doesn't have won't eat a steak if it's got pink in there that's why i gotta like i'm i, I make I get the tri-tip from Costco because I can put that on the grill and, you know, it, it's got the the edges that'll get a get a little more cooked and I can give her the edges. And then I get the middle of it where it's still uh, still got some pink in there. So it, that's that's where it works out. The best of both worlds.
1: I still get the pink. I just
3: don't get the red like like Ted, like he cooks. He cooks it for like half a second <laughs> and then he's eating it. Like, you no. Know.
2: He just puts it out in the sunlight for two minutes and then he's all right to
3: get
2: it. Now by work in Vegas, Vic still let us down. He oh, yeah, not any food on his car. Ah,
3: cookies. He's supposed to bake the cookies.
4: So I want him to fry an egg. <laughs> My dad, when he was around, he used to order steaks and he used to, I used to embarrass me. I was a kid. He used to ask for them bloody. I was like, ah. Oh. The like, what? Yeah, I want a bloody. I want like, <laughs> not just pink, but like a little blood. I'm like, holy smokes. But... Yeah, different strokes, different folks. But, yeah, so I definitely uh, I can see both sides.
2: All right. Well, uh, hopefully soon enough we'll all be able to get together in Vegas together and uh, and get ahead over there and maybe record a podcast. Uh, the world is, is starting to turn back into semi- slightly normal again but uh that'll, that'll be fun i'll to get together there at some point maybe as uh, next season gets underway and i mean all the talk is the nfl is planning to have uh, full stadiums next year so um that, that would be exciting for the raiders as they try to officially get their vegas tenure get allegiance stadium going with some fans so uh should be fun but uh, i think that'll wrap up this week's show we'll uh we'll be back probably sometime soon maybe in a couple of weeks to help you get really even more prepared for the NFL draft. It's coming. The Raiders, they're going to try to see what they can do. I mean, they're, they're going to need to obviously find ways to address some of their openings, but uh, but still need to try to add some talented players to this team, and uh, we'll try to get you all ready for that draft in, uh, in a few weeks. Cool. See you guys.
4: All right. Talk to you guys later. Adios. I think there's a little bit of a warm sensation on his bum right now, probably, I think. <laughs>